Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, where every week we strive to lead younger generations on a path to virtue through the insight of Stoic teachings and personal stories from our lives as Gen Z Stoics. Welcome back to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, where today we are having a Stoic discussion around beauty. I'm your co-host, Mateo. And I'm your co-host, Ren. And the Stoics were not big on aesthetics, which is a specific kind of genre of philosophy or philosophical problem, um, which has to do with beauty in the natural world. Um, Obviously, Stoics were more about logos and reason and virtue and really about ethics. And as a result, they didn't have a lot of time to write about aesthetics. It's not very natural kind of topic to the school Stoicism. So you'll note in today's episode, there's not a lot of Seneca or Epictetus or Marcus Aurelius. There are certainly quotes that they have about beauty, but they did not write extensively about beauty whatsoever. And so we will have less of them than usual and a few new names on the podcast, but a very nuanced topic that we hope to cover today, not really take uh, a formative stance on, but just give you the overview of what Stoic Beauty has been quoted and written about as. Yes, and before we start, uh, we would like to mention that this topic was actually brought upon us by a listener. Uh, this person's name is Dino, and he requested a pod, an episode around Stoic Beauty after we did, I believe it was the Valentine episode, if I'm correct. So, you know, having people engage with us and ask us to do certain episodes is awesome. So this kind of feels like a personal, you know, request episode, which feels awesome to do. And hopefully we can get more of that uh, in the future. And, and with that, uh, where I think a good starting point is kind of defining the idea of um, symmetria, right? If I could just throw my thoughts in. Shout out to Dino, yeah. This was something we've been thinking about doing for a long time, and I'm really glad that we get fan engagement. So we'd like to see more of that. So Spotify, we have good Q&As, YouTube, Rumble, uh, Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment somewhere, something you want to see, and you will more than likely see it if it relates to stoicism. So more of that is great. And thank you again, Dino, for shouting out episode on beauty. Here it is. Yes. Perfect. Well said. And um, with that, the idea of back to what I was going to, what we're going to start with is um, symmetria, right? And so this is the Greek word for as most of you probably could have guessed is symmetry. So like you said, beauty wasn't exactly written about much and it's not really defined anywhere specifically. You sort of have to pull from a bunch of different sources and uh, opinions of these philosophers, but symmetria is a concept that implies harmony among parts and functional relationships with the whole. So the way that I'm sort of interpreting this is symmetria is it's a symmetrical relationship of looks and the soul is what I'm interpreting it as. And if you have anything to add to that, I would like to hear what you have to say, but that's sort of my first impression. Yeah. So where we get um, the most kind of substantive works on beauty and aesthetics within the school of stoicism is from Chrysippus and he wrote not extensively but enough that we can kind of gather what the stoic view around aesthetics was at the time and so it's often called the most substantive aesthetics work by any stoic is the works that we the fragments of the works that we have from chrysippus but he introduces us to what you said the concept of sumetria and sumetria is something that at face value is purely about view, visual beauty so if you don't really read into what chrysippus said in this text or for the works by Cicero, you can't understand the full picture, but it's essentially everything being in accordance with each other. 
So you have harmony within your body. But also in these texts, he expresses how that corresponds also to your soul. So where you need to have your soul in balance with your body in order to achieve what is called stoic beauty, right? So it's something where we can acknowledge from this teaching two things. And we'll cover these more in depth. But first, the fact that Stoics did acknowledge visual beauty, but we should acknowledge that in many texts we can see that it's a preferred indifferent because physical beauty has no correlation whatsoever to virtue. And if Stoics are all about virtue, therefore we really don't need physical beauty, but it's nice. So it's a preferred indifferent. And then secondly, when we can see with the soul thing is that to be a beautiful human being, you truly need to be virtuous and you need to be making good decisions so that your soul is in accordance with your body if your body is physically attractive as well. Right. And it's interesting because I think the the idea that we have a beauty today is pretty surface level. We typically see beauty when we're talking about beauty um, today. It's really only being on the outside, right, is what we see. Like we say, oh, that girl's beautiful or that girl's good looking, cute, hot, whatever. We're, it's typically talking about um, what's on the outside. And the thing about Stoics is everything was a lot deeper than that. So Marcus Aurelius has a quote that says, everything in any way beautiful has beauty of itself, inherent and self-sufficient, praise is no part of it. And he goes in to talk about the idea of, he says, does an emerald lose its quality if it's not praised? So it's sort of this idea that, I mean, we know the, you know, the saying beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? So it's saying, right, if it does an emerald lose its quality, if it's not praised, well, are you beautiful unless nobody, unless someone says you are, or are you already beautiful? So that's why he says beauty of itself is inherent and self-sufficient and there is no praise. So that's why also you can have a beautiful soul and this idea of symmetria, you know, having a symmetrical relationship between the, you know, parts and the functional relationships within the whole, the whole that they, that is implied or that's being, um, alluded to there is the soul and the deeper parts of an individual. So if you have a good soul, you don't need somebody to praise you in order to have a good soul. Your soul is already inherently good and that doesn't need to be distinguished by an external source, correct? So there is a quote that's interesting. Um, it's a, from a physician to Marcus Aurelius and he writes, uh, Chrysippus holds beauty does not consist in the elements of the body, but in the harmonious proportion of the parts, the proportion of one finger to another, of all fingers to the rest of the hand, the rest of the hand to the wrist, and these to the forearm, blah, 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 the forearm to the whole arm, and in short, everything to everything else. So it's it's a whole. It's not picking out one thing that's beautiful or one thing that looks good over the other. It's beauty is in the whole. It's a whole concept. Right. And that's a, certainly a train of thought within the school of Stoicism. And so you can see that symmetry again throughout history of Stoicism kind of translate from era to era. But what I think about when we apply it more in the modern era is we can certainly have that modern beauty standard that you mentioned right at the beginning there of like, oh, that person's like physically attractive or they're hot or whatever adjective you want to describe them as. And scientifically, we can think of that now as like evolution and picking characteristics that are in a woman that are good for like childbearing or, you know, a big strong man, like those kind of like survival instincts are still certainly pervasive within our human psychology because that's how evolution dictates it. But once we get past that certain point, we need to look at like characteristics because yes, while it's great to have those physical qualities, I'd like to think that you're not with a person strictly 100% for their physical qualities because that's probably not a great and very fulfilling relationship. 
So when we talk about beauty and like what we want to attract around us and what we want to acknowledge and appreciate is good, it has to come down to work and value. Those two things, you know, physical beauty certainly is steeped a lot in genetics. You know, certainly you can go to the gym and you can look better and you can do certain things like you can have like a skincare routine, things like that. Certainly sure. Improve your physical beauty, but up to a point, it's just genetics. It's not really work versus being beautiful on the inside, having a beautiful soul, getting to virtue is a lifelong process. Yes, we've covered that in depth on this podcast. And so that takes a lot more work, a lot more time, and therefore is a lot more valuable. And I think that's, um, we can see that, you know, Stoics aren't really big on aesthetics. But that's a common Stoic argument, right? Is that what is internal is a lot more valuable than external things. You know, Stoics weren't very materialistic people. They didn't appreciate like money. They saw it as an indifferent. What they cared about always was virtue. And so I think if that holds true and that's something we can universally agree upon, maybe we can apply that standard here. And we definitely see it with Chrysippus's works and Cicero's works specifically around Sumetria. Well, and that's sort of the thing, right? Is you were talking about uh, the soul and there's a, I'm using, I'm quoting from Bryn Mawr EDU and they're saying basically when Stokes argue that only the wise are beautiful, they're not denying that people uh, conventionally regarded as attractive are physically attractive. So a Stoic, if they see what is someone who is, you know, objectively good looking, they're going to say, yeah, that person is objectively good looking, but physical attractiveness pales in comparison to the beauty of the soul. So if you found what was considered, you know, in today's terms, what we would call a 10, however, there was, it was very, there was no substance. There was, it was lacking a lot of it was lacking a a fulfill a um, a whole soul a very a soul that brings a lot to the table, right? There's a quote that I've heard, and this isn't stoic, but it's uh, "good looks do not raise a family," right? And that's sort of the idea that you know you can be with anyone who's as good looking as you want, but if there's really nothing else that they are bringing to the table besides their looks, it honestly results in a very shallow life, and that's a very materialistic way to look at someone is just for their looks. I think as, you know, um, materialism and consumerism has increased um, as we've been, you know, growing up, the the way we perceive other people has also sort of uh, correlated with that. You know, we see people as, you know, good looking. If they're not good looking, oh, we don't want it. We don't care to see what the true value that someone brings to the table is, which is sort of unfortunate, right? So, uh, there's one other thing that I wanted to talk about, and that was how the soul, when Stokes are referring to the soul, it is what they understand as the locus of rationality. So what I sort of infer from this, if, you know, A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, that using that sort of logic, if Stoics are so concerned with what a good soul is, and that makes it beautiful, and a good soul is the locus of rationality, then what Stoics really want is a, you know, if you were a male Stoic, you would want a female who is rational, very rational person, because that means their soul is intact. That means their soul is functioning well. And you want someone who is rational because rational and wisdom is something that's, you know, sought out by the Stoics all the time. Yeah. And I I think it applies more extensively than even like who you want your romantic partner to be. I think a lot of times we talk about like, who do you want to be in your life? What kind of um, character traits you want to be surrounded with because we obviously all experience it when you hang out with a group of people a lot you start to adopt some of their vocab some of their habits um, it's really funny I notice sometimes 
I never started saying good looks until I started like being a serious friend with you. Like I've never said that before in my life. And then you just said it all the time. And eventually I was just like, yeah, this is cool. Like I like, I don't say it much anymore, but yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. So I'd like, I never said it beforehand, but now I say it, I don't say it as much now either. I, I say it every once in a while and I think it's funny still, but my point being that when you're around somebody for a long period of time and you know them pretty intimately and they're a close friend or even a romantic partner, a lot of their habits rub off on you. And so that being said, we need to search for that beauty in all of the people around us. And so that's why, you know, you can see physical beauty isn't the end all be all because then if you're a straight man, like in physical beauty is your end all be all. Like that's kind of a weird thing to apply to friends, but it depends, like you said, on the soul and on virtue. And I think we can see that in a lot of modern argument, arguments about what stoic beauty is these are kind of commonly held things now where they're wrong and you know what we should correct is kind of what's up for debate and it's interesting you mentioned a lot about like the soul one of the areas that i find most funny when i read works on you know why stoics were wrong and how they were wrong in this regard is that physician you were talking about earlier his name's galen also ridiculed marcus aurelius for believing that the soul and like that locus of rationality was in um your heart not your brain and reason was located in your heart, not your brain. It was something that was disproven and the Stoics believed that initially. And so Galen made fun of them. And so it's a really funny story, but it's not like at the heart of the argument here, it's more metaphysics. And so the debate really is like, where did they get it wrong? And I, there's a few areas that we can see that, but overall I think we can see through other arguments, other topics that if we just held a basic principle that, Stoics were indifferent to physical beauty. It was nice, but it wasn't the end all be all. And they took physical beauty in tandem with beauty of the soul and attainment of virtue and a rational, re rational, reasonable person. That is the argument that we can kind of see consistently through the logic of Stoics. And when you say it was disproven, does that mean, what do you mean disproven? It was disproven or disagreed so, with? Or? So no, basically what Marcus Aurelius thought is like your decision center and like where reason was stored and logic and what makes humans unique is in your heart rather than your brain. And that's something oh, okay. that Stoics believed. Um, not really expressed anymore because obviously that's not true. Your brain does the thinking for you. you know, right. Your heart and emotion certainly contribute, but thoughts generate from your brain. So just something that was um, something that Galen made fun of Marcus Aurelius for. So pretty funny well, story which is interesting because i'd actually never heard of galen until we had done you know this episode um and there's something else as well that i would i would like to add um we were talking about i was sort of talking i mentioned uh, like materialisticness materialism earlier and uh there's an interesting idea and i'm reading from ryan holiday's daily stoic uh one of his articles and there was this practice which is essentially recognizing aspects of the world or a situation for what they are rather than what we perceive them to be originally. And Marcus Aurelius like quotes this as stripping away the legend that encrusts them. So I perceive, I um, perceive that as being, you know, if someone has a reputation or if like, Oh, this person, you're so pretty, you have to meet this person or they're so rich. You have to meet this person, whatever you sort of strip away that reputation that they have. And you look at them for who they are or look at something for what it is and the importance of this. Is because when we 
sort of quote over glamorize the material world right we are further increasing our ability to be consumed by um what we initially perceive something to be and what we wish for it to be because our emotions are going to contribute to what we want something to be the thing about stoics is they weren't necessarily optimists a lot of the time they were realists and if you've as we mentioned before there was that idea um i forget what it was called it was that latin term but it was like preparing yourself for literally the worst you're like constantly primitatio malorum primitatio malorum which which we actually rated in our last episode uh i don't remember i think it was overrated and it's basically this idea that you are you're constantly you know visualizing the worst case scenario which is not an optimistic thing to do by any means however it is a very realistic thing and almost so realistic that it seems painful and pessimistic but the point that i'm trying to make is when it comes to beauty you have to and if you really want to find true beauty and see the true beauty in something or someone you have to use you know contemptuous expressions you have to see it or them for who it is or who they are or what it is instead of what you want it to be no i, I agree and i i also have read that article and i agree with the concepts listed in it but i think that ultimately what it boils down to is that like beauty is something that can't control you just as like a lot of other things that um we say you can't control and so therefore you can't let them control you a lot of times like yes it's okay to be like oh this person's attractive like let me go try and get their number and hang out with them like that initial instinct is something that modern psychology has proven to be a valid thing and the characteristics we like we like for a psychological reason uh it relates to evolution there's a lot about aesthetics that we can kind of agree upon and there's certainly some that's personifi- personifiable but you can't let that kind of control you once you get past that initial point where you've you know evaluated yes they're physically attractive the real beauty lies like epictetus says in their decisions real beauty lies internally with their decisions how they live virtuously what their purpose is what their path is in life what they've chosen to do with their life all of that matters a lot more than physical beauty, something that is kind of lost on modern society. I, I like, I feel like that's kind of common sense to say, you know, nothing wrong with appreciating physical beauty, but maybe we've gone a little bit to the extreme with that in Western society. Maybe just a little bit where, you know, I, I feel like you're, I feel like you're being sarcastic a little bit here. Yeah, you know, uh-huh. when men waste a lot of their money on OnlyFans or pornography or things that are very lustful and really a vice. Like there's, there's a limit to appreciating physical beauty that I think Stoics would kind of give. And we have certainly passed that limit by a wide margin. So the reminder here is that, you know, while we aren't definitively taking like, this is what Stoics would say about beauty in the modern age. Maybe the lesson here is to, curb our appreciation for physical beauty a little bit in order to maybe appeal more to things that are reason and ration based ration rationality based which is virtue your soul and things that are only found internally and require a lot of personal work and self-growth to get to and so should be appreciated much more right and i think it's and i mentioned before the idea of beauty is in the high of the beauty is in the eye of the beholder and that is not something that stoic sought but they also didn't see you know beauty that uh you know supervenes on 
objects or people. It's like you said, it comes internally. It's through living through the, the cardinal virtues of stoicism, right? And it's through, you know, building yourself up and building your soul and gaining experience and trying new things and failing at things. Um, and also you sort of mentioned that the Western world had um, sort of gone to the to an extreme. And I would say not only the Western world, but honestly, the entirety of the world has, you know, there's aspects that we can see everywhere. And it's honestly bad. And, and it's, you know, obviously it's bad, but the reason is, is it's causing, you know, one people to not see the beauty in themselves, which is a big issue. Not only can our people not seeing the beauty in other people, but people are losing their, you know, their self image, which is a big problem. You know, there's a lot of, and I will say this too, that I've noticed anyway, living out in LA, especially for women, there's a lot of like societal standards that are crazy that are you know, it's a lot, it's a deeper issue, but these societal standards of what beauty should be, I have a good friend. And the other day, you know, we were, we were at the gym and she was like, I'm up to 140 pounds. Like I'm, I'm gaining so much weight. And I was like, you're five, seven. I don't think being 140 pounds is a bad thing at all, but it's this, this skewed concept of beauty that we sort of allowed to take over in our society today. That's sort of ruining a, the, ability for people to see their own beauty and for we judge other people almost immediately based off their looks and we assume their looks to be greater than what they have inside so it's sort of a problem and so i think identifying that problem and then dealing with it in a stoic manner with these stoic methodologies that we've laid out and taking a stoic perspective on what beauty really is would definitely help bring us back to normalcy a little bit yeah. And out, even outside of like, oh, how can we use this in the modern world to improve your life and like how you view beauty? There's very interesting papers out there, um, thesis papers that kind of track how Cicero's works of on duties and a lot of the fragments that we still have um, from Chrysippus influence some of the most influential aesthetics, essays and opinions ever. Uh, Emmanuel, and there are these interesting research papers and thesis papers that explore how the stoic concept of beauty is pervasive in these texts. So stoic concept of beauty, while was something that was very minimal to the teachings of stoicism, not something we talk about a lot, not something that was maybe very important to stoic philosophers, the ones who did care about it and the ones who wrote about it, their words have lasted kind of the test of time because they've influenced some of the most influential works around aesthetics in the philosophical world. And so when we when we talk about like, oh, yes, this is a minimal concept and it's not something they wrote about extensively, it doesn't mean it's not important and it doesn't mean that it's not something you can't kind of take with you. Now, are there areas where it was wrong, areas where it's not like physically possible anymore when you talk about like their metaphysics approach um, to beauty? Sure. But when we look at like the kind of underlying argument here that morality and what's on the inside matters more than physical beauty and the perfect essence is when you can kind of marry physical beauty with internal beauty, that's like the perfect figure. That's something that's very easily traceable through the school of philosophy and something that's kind of not a really crazy concept to say. It's something that, you know, you can certainly have people who are like, oh, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and have fun, but it's not worth it. And I think that it's blown up in scale when you say it's not worth it to chase physical beauty as a result of sacrificing gains in virtue and becoming just a better person. Absolutely. And the best, there's actually, glad you mentioned, um, paper and a writing, because I know one of your favorite writers 
is none other than, you know, Lucius Seneca. And he actually has a quote that I found on beauty, which I would like to share with you and to everybody else, because I know that you are a big Seneca guy. Um, Seneca says, a woman is not beautiful when her ankle or arm wins compliments, but when her total appearance diverts admiration from the individual parts of her body. And I feel like if there was one quote that could essentially sum up the entirety of the podcast idea today, it would be this quote, right? Her total appearance diverts admiration from the individual parts of her body. Total appearance that comes from inside too, because it's, it's entirely encompassing. And so the, the idea here is you want a person. If we're talking about only a person here when it comes to beauty, right? And this can be a friend. This can be a loved one family member, you want to surround yourself with people whose, you know, values show before, you know, their physical attributes show, right? Or, you know, their status or something that is, I guess, and I've been reading, I've been reading too much um, Augustine, Augustine lately in my philosophy class, but what is defined as a temporal good, temporal good, uh, a good that can, you know, be gone just like that. So status or physical looks, you want somebody's soul and who they are on the inside to shine first. And that is how you know you're surrounding yourself with the right people. I don't know. I, I mean, not necessarily maybe shine first, but I think it has to shine above because like, I think it's more about, especially in today's society where it's like instant gratification, where you can see somebody who's attractive and then five minutes later have their contact information and text them. Like it's very easy to get lost in like physical beauty. So noting, noticing physical beauty first, I think is actually kind of a human characteristic i think that's something i should specify by first i meant like it should be your what's prioritized yes yeah no it stands out the most yeah exactly exactly no i i know i know i know what you mean but it's it's something where um you know right like you said physical beauty can leave you in a second but the work you've put in to become a better person and to become more wise or more just or more courageous very very hard pressed to lose that and like, again, like I said at the beginning, it takes more work to attain that. And so just naturally, if it takes more work to attain that, you're probably with a better quality person if they have a high level of internal beauty versus physical beauty. Now, again, the perfect beauty is marriaging those two together, which means that there's somebody who's physically attractive, but also has those qualities. But like that Seneca quote is saying, the internal qualities should stand out above those physical qualities. And it makes kind of sense. Like, you see a jacked guy or a very attractive woman, you'll probably see like 10 more of those, right? Like you scroll through your Instagram. Oh, there's one Instagram model. There's like 10 more, but how many people do you meet who really match your values and really stand out in a way that you connect with them internally? Because like you're both on that same plane of values and where you are in the virtue process and striving towards virtue and being wise, all those characteristics that it's a it's a lot lar- harder to find that scrolling through social media or walking down the street so just applying the very simple economic concept of scarcity therefore internal value should be the priority internal qualities character traits values morals ethics all matter much more than beauty and I think that also stems this, the, the reason that we sort of look and are immediately compelled by the looks of someone. One, that's just human nature, you know, but also it sort of stems and the reason we put so much importance and we've placed so much importance on 
simply physical beauty and physical looks is because not only that, but with social media, uh, we are subject to cheap dopamine all the time. And cheap dopamine is very, it's a very surface level idea. It's anything that'll grab your attention and make you feel happy just like that. Right. And so if we're using that concept, then someone who is very good looking man or woman will grab your attention just like that. And it's more easily to be compelled by that without actually, you know, wondering what's deeper. And social media really is just a service level platform for the most part. You know, it's sort of ironic that we say that because we're putting out this content on social media that we deem to be, you know, pretty, pretty serious, pretty heartfelt uh, and deeper than most social media content. But the point that I'm trying to make is in a world where everything is just so on the surface and we don't actually know much about the people that we follow online, we only see what they want us to see. It's very easy to sort of fall into that trap of only placing importance on, you know, what somebody looks like rather than who they are as a person, because usually we don't know. Nobody really wants to share their full selves online. That's just not a comfortable thing to do. So, and this is why I say, and this is sort of going on a tangent, but I love meeting people in person. You know, the the relationships I have with people that I met in person are far more, you know, important to me than the people I've ever met online and am friends with. I'm not saying those people aren't cool, but the people I meet in person for the first time, those are those are usually the most long lasting and substantial relationships and the most meaningful relationships to me. I agree completely. I think when you mentioned earlier and I kind of forgot to pick up on it, but like the self-esteem issues that just the overemphasis on physical beauty creates, I think we can naturally see kind of the evilness, maybe the harm of believing in physical beauty to the point that we have now in society. When we have people like that example you used and a lot of people who are not confident in themselves or have poor self-esteem, poor body image, all of those things. It's because we've placed such an emphasis on physical beauty. Now, we're not saying that you should just completely let yourself go. Uh, I, I talked about in a Stoic reading the difference between Stoics and Cynics and how Cynics were like, you know, social standards of like hygiene and looking like professional are just social constructs we don't need to follow. And Stoics were like, no, you need to respect these constructs and be professional. So this is not saying, you know, like let yourself go. But it's saying when you're evaluating other people, if you notice physical beauty first, that's okay. But it's about those qualities. And it also turns upon yourself. When you're valuing your self-esteem, when you're looking yourself in the mirror, it's not, oh, how does my hair look or something like that. Like not, not you're not evaluating yourself in terms of like physical qualities. Like how do I look today? Like do I look good? What's the fit like today? It's None of those things are really truthfully important in your self-value because you can only do so much to change those things. When you look at yourself in the mirror, it's about, you know, how am I going to be courageous today? How am I going to do something for other people today? How am I going to fulfill my purpose today? And then when you look at yourself in the mirror, it's did I do these things? Simple character evaluation. Too often we get lost in like this narrative of like, if you're ugly, you know, that sucks. You know, life is going to be bad for you. Is there certainly like pretty privilege? Love talking about pretty privilege. It's awesome, but it maybe exists. I, I can see it in some areas. So there's certainly that advantage, but it's an indifferent. And so being an indifferent, it's not how we should evaluate ourselves. Evaluation starts and ends internally. And also I would just like to add, you know, to finish off the, to close my closing piece is when you are a person who, and you know, if you are, or sometimes you are unaware, but typically the people who want to be more, um, can identify the areas internally where they're lacking. You know, if they if they realize they're more of a shallow person than they thought, they're like, oh, I don't really do much. I need to do more hobbies, whatever. 
the people that if you are someone, you know, and you don't want to critique anybody of something that you're also guilty of, still a concept. But if you are looking, you know, for a very complete person, I think, you know, beauty and completeness kind of go hand in hand, right? Or not necessarily like perfect completeness, but just more, more substance, right? Into in somebody, you kind of know where to look because if you have somebody, you know, who's not really of substance, they're not going to be doing and living um, in a way that abides by the stoic concepts. It's going to be a very service level way of living, kind of just no, 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 no purpose. You know, it seems like they're just filling their lives with distractions. So people who truly want to have a beautiful soul and a very complete soul are going to be doing things that are fulfilling to them and to their soul at the same time. And so you have to know where to look. It's not something that you can go chase. It's sort of something that, you know, and I don't know if the Stoics ever talked about any idea that was similar to the law of attraction. But what I do know is that if you are, you know, not working on yourself enough and you aren't, then you're not going to attract somebody who is. That's, that's pretty, it's a pretty basic idea is you basically are at best, you can attract what you are at best, nothing more. So the best that you are is the best you will get and nothing more. So that's, that's sort of the idea of capital N nature, how that works is living in accordance with it means you sort of get what you give essentially. And it's, it's great that you mentioned capital N nature because the closing remarks I want to make are like, we provided this overview of physical beauty and it was all people examples. But I think one lesson that we can also learn is to appreciate beauty within nature within the world with like just physical things. There's a quote from Aurelius that says, dwell on the beauty of life, watch the stars and see yourself running with them. And what he's saying is that it, things like stars, things like, you know, you go take a hike. Oh, we live in Colorado. Uh, I know you don't anymore, but you're back. Colorado is such a beautiful place. There's so many beautiful places you can go to simply just discover nature. And as we walk throughout life, you know, we acknowledge the physical beauty of people a lot, but too often we neglect the things that are natural around us that are beautiful and we don't give them their appreciation and the gratitude. Like if you're sitting outside one night and you see a shooting star, acknowledge that it's a beautiful moment and appreciate it. It sounds kind of corny. It sounds kind of dumb, but we too overemphasize that physical beauty in humans. One thing we can do to kind of de-emphasize that so that we can fix some of these problems is by recognizing the physical beauty in everything and being grounded in that way. And something we can see in this Marcus Aurelius quote, it's something that we can see in a lot of the logic, logic of Stoics and the appreciation of capital in nature, which is also little in nature. Little in nature is encompassed within that. <laughs> I really love our idea of cap, like the term, when we say capital N nature, I just think it's so funny because, you know, we can say nature normally, but when we say capital N nature, it's a, it's a big deal. It's important. That is like the nature. That is the everything that you see. And so, like you said, you know, seeing the beauty in the natural world, it's the best it gets. And not only even seeing it, but being able to fully appreciate it is something that I think builds up a lot of qualities in you. If you constantly go throughout your day and are appreciative of the beautiful things within it, when those hardships come where like you stub your toe or they're little things where you could very easily get frustrated and nobody cares and nobody will notice, you don't want to because you've found that fulfillment from yes, capital in nature, which I love using that term as well. And it's something that should be capitalized because it's a lot of the basis of virtue ethics is rooted in what they called capital and nature. So as we end today's episode, um, you can look at the fragments of Chrysippus's work 
a lot of the modern interpretations on it, or Cicero's paper called On Duties. These are the kind of main sources that we have. Not a lot, not a lot of substance, but these are the sources we have and base this episode on. But a very nuanced topic. If you remember anything from today's episode about beauty, remember the concept of symmetria, which is beauty of every part being in accordance with each other, including your soul. And that is what Stoic beauty is known as. And participate in the debate. Check out some Stoicon videos. There's a lot of modern, interesting takes on beauty. With that being said, this has been this week's episode of the Gen Z Stoic Podcast. I've been your co-host, Ren. I've been your co-host, Mateo. Thank you, Dino, for the idea. And we will see you guys next week.